What's up, ladies and gentlemen? How are you? Hope you're having a fantastic day so far. Hope you're having a fantastic end to the week. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and things are starting to clear up in whatever country you're living in. I'm sure you're staying active. I'm sure you're staying fit. I'm sure you're staying productive. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so that's the first and the most important step. Today, I got Giuseppe Gentile coming on for the 57th episode of the Footballer's Journey podcast. Giuseppe is a 27-year-old winger currently living in Zurich, Switzerland, where he's originally from. He's a free agent, and he'll probably end up signing in the second league. He's got a great work ethic, a lot of discipline, really good dude, really dialed in, really into the details. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. What's up, people? How are we? Hope you're enjoying the Saturday. If you were tuning into the live I just had with Giuseppe, for some reason, Instagram just stopped working and it completely shut off. What's up? How are you? No, not much, man. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, guys. Sorry about that. We don't know what happened. Um, Yeah. But yeah, if we could just go back over, you know, sorry you have to redo this whole thing, but uh, you could sum it up. Just introduce yourself, where you're from, how old you are, um, and then kind of how you signed your first professional contract, and then you'll take us through your journey a little bit. Yeah, so um, I'm Giuseppe Gentile. I'm a professional soccer player. I'm 27 years old. I am a Swiss American. Uh, was born in the United States, but then I was raised in Switzerland, and that's where I currently am living. Um, like uh, Eric and I were talking about before, I've had quite the journey. Uh, I played in college, played at UNC Charlotte. I did that for three years until I got drafted in 2014 by the Chicago Fire and MLS. After that, um, I had uh, several spells with other clubs. I uh, played for clubs like San Antonio Scorpions that no longer exist. I played in the NSL. The Fort Lauderdale Strikers um, played for uh, Ottawa Fury. Uh, they also no longer exist. Um, I played for uh, Richmond Kickers, Puerto Rico FC. Um, Hartford Athletic um, and FC Chiasso here in Switzerland, the second tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, soccer has fortunately been very kind to me and has taken me to several different places around the world and it has cultured me and it has taught me a lot of life lessons that um, I wouldn't have learned without it. So I'm very, very grateful for that. For sure, for sure. And You've seen, a, you've seen a lot of things, you know, exist and then kind of fold. So that, that's probably been yeah. funny, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. And that's the nature of the game, unfortunately. Absolutely, bro. But, yeah, if you could just take the listeners through. I mean, um, like you told on last time, last uh, IG Live, how did you kind of go from three years in college? How did you get to the MLS from there? 
So um, my freshman year, I was the NCAA Rookie of the Year. Um, my team and myself, we ended up making it to the NCAA Finals. And we ended up losing, unfortunately. But um, I had a standout season. I was the leading goal scorer and also leading a sister of the team that year. And um, uh, so I got, I got quite a few accolades uh, that year and, and a lot of recognition. Um, which led to my second season that, uh, as a sophomore, I also did really well. I finished uh, the season also as top scorer. And, you know, a lot of eyes were on me from having two really good seasons. And um, my third year, um, I just, like I was telling Eric before, I felt really convicted that, like, I've achieved basically everything I needed to achieve in college, uh, individually and also collectively as a team. I just felt like the only thing that probably could have made things better would have been if we would have won the national championship my freshman year. But to be honest, my college career was very, very optimal. Um, mm -hmm. Like not very many people can say that they've achieved um, as much. I'm not saying as me, but just like if you, if you envision a college career, a lot of players would say, yeah, you know, I would like to, you know, maybe make it to the NCAA tournament or, mm -hmm. um, what did you say? Where are you playing next? Switzerland or USA? Uh, Neil, it's undecided. If you have a contract for me at Madison, hit me up. Uh, that's one of my. <laughs> that's one of my buddies. Uh, we're we're real cool. I play with him yeah. at Richmond. Yeah, I play with him at Richmond, and I play with him at um at the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. So, Neil, what's up? He's now the assistant coach at Forward Madison, which is USL League One. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. So um. Yeah, so back to my to my college career, I think that, you know, after after my sophomore season, I, I, I knew I was ready, that I wanted to leave. So what I ended up doing was I went on some trials uh, with MLS clubs throughout the summer, and I went to Colorado. I went to, um, I went to Sporting Kansas City uh, just to do some trials and to, to show myself or whatever. And, you know, they, they took a liking to me as a player and they ended up saying that, um, you know, they, they, they think that I'm ready to leave college. And that kind of gave me the courage to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave my junior year. After that, um, my junior season was finished and I just left uh, because I felt confident that somebody would pick me up and I ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Fire. Awesome, bro. So, like you said in the – when you were a sophomore, you went out to train with some MLS teams, yeah. obviously going from the college game to the pro game. What did you notice like some of the big differences were? Yeah, it was, um, it was very significant. Like it was a lot faster and the players are a lot smarter. Uh, physically they're better or stronger. They're just fast. I mean, just the entire game is just completely different from college to pro. Um, in my opinion, it's not even comparable from high school to college. Uh, if you make the jump from high school to college, you know, it's a pretty big jump. But I would only say physically because, you know, you're going – you're an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid going up against 20-something-year-olds. But, you know, you still know how to play soccer, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, you can adapt quickly. But as a pro, I genuinely thought that when I went from – from college to pro, I was like really amazed on how how much faster the game was. Like, mm. you feel like you're playing at a pretty 
pretty fast uh, pace in college, but then you come to you come to players that only play one touch. Then you meet players that you know they see the game one or two steps ahead. And there's players that are so smart that they even know what you're gonna do before you do it. Uh, and you know they just read the game differently than compared to college. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, all right, all right, Neil. Come you want to come over. up to the Swiss Alps? Yeah, come on over. I'll invite you to my house. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was just really impressed with um, you know, the intelligence of soccer. Um, it was just like that you've met. I, I just got to meet in the MLS level just a lot of people that played at very, very high levels. And um, one thing that stuck out to me a lot was when uh, Kai Kamara took a lot of time and was just talking to me. And, um, you know, he's currently the highest leading goal scorer uh, in MLS history for active players. So, like, he's still yeah. playing. Um, mm. And he's uh, has the most goals in MLS currently just for active players. I think he's missing a few goals to catch up to, like, Landon Donovan or Colby Jones or one of those guys that is just, like, the all-time leading. But he, um, you know, he took a lot of time, and uh, he was just, like, you know, talking to me. And um, he really he really mentored me during my time period, and it was only, like, four or five days. And I was really surprised that somebody of that, of that stature or of that – of that yeah. caliber of player was that nice because after that summer, he ended up making a move to the Premier League. He ended wow. up signing with, with Norwich City. I didn't even and, know that. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he went from he went from Sporting KC to Norwich and he signed the Prem. And, dude, he was scoring goals in the Premier League. And, like, you know, that's something that I carried with me throughout my whole pro career. I was like, man, this guy was so nice to me. And mm -hmm. I was just, like, some random college kid that came to train with the team. And he didn't have to do that. Um, mm. and, um, that was that, I guess that's kind of like a personal experience I had and something that's really not relevant to, I guess, the differences of level from high school, college, and then college to pro, but yeah, it's I, not, but I, I think it's a very interesting fact. It's like, you, you know, you said there just, just the, the ability of him to be humble and, right. uh, yeah. you know, help you out. It, first of all, it's something he not, he didn't have to do. But, um, you know, it just shows his character. And I think that's huge with football. I mean, I talk a lot uh, with guys who I've had on, on the podcast, on the IG Live, just how, how important it is to just be a good guy, you know. And it's, yeah. it's very underrated. Like, um, you know, even players who, who are, are looking to make it in the game, like just going to training and always being a nice guy, whether you're at a, a training that you've been – and you know all the guys, or you're you're new, you're looking to sign a new contract, or you're going to some combine. I just think it's worth it to be a nice guy because we've all seen like those guys who come in there with big heads, uh, mm. who think they have a big name. And just relating this to Kamara, it's like you know this guy you say he's a big name, played in the Prem. For him to come to you just shows. And, and reemphasizes the importance of just being a good dude, just being kind. Um, and, and I think also it says, like, for me, I'm, I'm the type of guy I think I can learn from anyone. So it's like treating everyone the same no matter who they are. Right. Yeah, that's something – that's a really good point that I feel like we should be able – or humble enough to be able to learn from anyone in any given position. I mean, it doesn't really have to be 
a professional player. It could just be, you know, a fan or it could be someone in the front office. It could be, it could be happen to be a teammate or it could even be somebody on the other team. But, um, yeah, I feel like that was just something that I felt like sharing just because, um, for sure, it, it wasn't really like, um, it was one of my first pro experiences and I have the, the special thing about it is that I haven't really found that since. So that's that speaks, that's, that speaks uh, volumes of him as a player, how, or as a person, um, how, how nice he really was and that I found it in one of my first pro experiences and never really found it again. Um, yeah, that's it's quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah. If you don't mind, uh, if they weren't too personal, what type of things was he saying to you? Oh yeah, no, it was, it wasn't really anything like, you know, um, it wasn't anything like a profound, really. It was just more like the experience of him taking his time and speaking to me and, you know, just giving me advice on like, you know, man, like when you get into this situation, I try to do this or when, when, um, when you're in this situation, try to do that. And he's really trying to guide me through what made him successful. And that, that is something that I really appreciated because like, you know, maybe my style and his style wouldn't really correlate or wasn't really similar, but he would try to help me on what made him successful. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people who are successful, you know, they don't really want to give away their secrets, but he was, sure. he was really open and he was like, Hey, look, yeah. like, you know, my first touch is not the best. That's why I try to get as close as possible to the goal that when I'm five yards away, the chances of me scoring are a lot higher than if I'm 15 yards away. Mm. And just like very, very subtle tips that make a really big difference. Mm. And even that right there, if you kind of read into it, is a very good tip. It's, um, you know, really trying to, trying to target your strengths and really mm -hmm. like use your strengths to the best of your ability. Like you said, you know, maybe his first touch isn't that good but his ability to be in the right position when the ball gets crossed into him or when the ball is laid off to him to know to make the right decision mm. is a, is a simple tip. But if you really think about it, it's, it's, it's a very valuable one. Yeah. I mean, just having followed his career ever since, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't really know who he was before my time there, but um, you know, I follow, I started following him, his career and also just on social media and stuff. And uh, just watching him play, I mean, like he is—he's a—he's a freak. Like he's yeah. a specimen. Like he's so good, like with his physical attributes that, like, man, he scores headers for fun. I mean, he's jumping—he's jumping thirty-five, thirty-six-inch verticals at thirty-five years old, you know. And and like, it's just—it's just very admirable on my mm. end that I just, you know, I. I have such a positive experience with him that I kind of see him, I guess, from a different lens. And sure. uh, I, I just really appreciated that. Absolutely. So then could you kind of take us after, you know, uh, after you did those, those trials and, and after your junior season to the fire, how did your, you know, path kind of look after that, after the fire? Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of mentioned earlier that I – I played for four teams in one season, which is very unusual, but that did happen. So I, uh, when I was with the Fire, they ended up loaning me out to the Charlotte Eagles in USL, which is uh, today the second tier, but back then it was the third tier in U.S. soccer. And um, 
that spell didn't last very long because uh, the Chicago Fire ended up releasing my rights. And then I signed on with the Orlando City uh, Lions that were in USL also. And um, when the USL season concluded and finished, I ended up signing a contract with an NESL club, which was the second tier in USL soccer at the time. And kind of how that worked was because the USL season and the NESL season overlapped for a certain period of time. And then the NESL season still extended a couple months. So I still had like two months left from September till November to play for the San Antonio, uh, San Antonio Scorpions. Um, we ended up winning that season. We ended up winning the league, which it was really, really cool. It was a great experience. Um, I thought San Antonio was amazing. Uh, I, I really had a really good experience there. The, the people were really nice. Um, the, the stadium was top class. Like, I mean, it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best uh, lower division or I guess just say USL, NASL division, uh, yeah. soccer-specific stadiums. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> unreal. Um, and after that, I ended up moving to Switzerland, but I came back home. And uh, I had a second division team offer me a contract and I ended up signing it and stayed here for six months. And so the team here had uh, um, financial issues and they kind of just, you know, had a reform within the club and they basically forced me out. And then I ended up signing again with San Antonio Scorpions uh, for the remainder of the season. So I was six months in Switzerland and then six months again in America. Mm. After that, so you season, came back. Uh, I think you said you went to Switzerland at 21. So when you came back, sure. you were you were 22. I was, I think, I was still 21, turning 22. Okay, so, so yeah, still a 22. very young player in America. Yeah, um, just I feel like with giving some insight or I guess some background information on the whole situation, I I feel like young players in America even as little as five years ago, weren't really, um, how do you say, like, they weren't really um, preferred or, like, they weren't really in the front line or, I guess, highly regarded to coaches compared to today. Um, I feel like U.S. soccer is changing so quickly that back then, even, like, six years ago, I think that coaches were still very fixated on veteran players compared to today we have so many more youth-based teams in America playing professional now. Like you have New York Red Bulls too. You have uh, all these MLS teams that have two teams that can give these young players opportunities to play at the highest level or at the pro level in America that they'll develop at the rate that they can end up being at 21, 22 MLS or even a higher level ready compared to before the kids that would go through college that would need an mm -hmm. adaption period to kind of adapt to the pro level and then kind of excel. So I feel mm -hmm. like when I was still coming out of college, I feel like that system wasn't really set in place. And I, I struggled a little bit with, with, you know, finding my feet and like kind of really settling my roots in a club. And, um, you know, it kind of really uh, crept into my game. I mean, I, w I personally thought I was playing well. I scored five. Um, I scored yeah, I scored four goals my fresh my rookie year, but the thing was it was with with three teams. So it's like if you were scoring one and one and one, and then people were like, "Well, yeah, he wasn't really that good." Overall, if I would have been on one team, 
and I would have gained chemistry with the same team, same players, yada, yada, yada. I would have settled my roots and probably been a lot more comfortable. Absolutely. But, but uh, just because I, I was always on the go, always on the go, always with a new team, with, the, with new teammates, you know, new environment, new coaches, new demands, I kind of, it kind of shook me a little bit at the beginning. But I had to learn how to shake it off quick. I had to learn that this was the nature of the game and, and the nature of, of my profession that I chose. Like nobody's mm. forcing me to play soccer. Um, I wanted to. So that's kind of something that I felt like I didn't mention before uh, when mm. we, were, we were talking. But yeah, it just me- mentioning, it, mentioning it now, um, I feel like um, <clears throat> young players in, the, in, in America, um, it wasn't always easy at the beginning um, but that, that's actually, I, I take back what, I, what I'm saying. I, I, it's not easy for anyone anywhere. It's never easy. But I feel like players today in America are, have a way bigger advantage <clears throat> to make it because there are a lot more platforms for them yeah. to showcase themselves and a lot more opportunities. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I really wish – or. I wish for myself sometimes that, you know, I would have had those same showcasing abilities. Uh, but, you know, that's something in the past that I don't really talk about. For sure. Um, after that, I went to Fort Lauderdale. Um, after Fort Lauderdale, I went to Ottawa in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then after Canada, I went to Puerto Rico. And, um, well, one thing I forgot to mention about Fort Lauderdale was pretty cool was that Ronaldo, the R9, he was uh, the owner of the, of the club or the face of the club. Mm. Uh, so that was pretty special. Uh, and then when I went to uh, Puerto Rico, Carmelo Anthony, he was the owner of PRFC, which was really mm. cool because then we got to hang out with some NBA All-Star players and stuff. Uh, that was pretty chill. And Puerto Rico as a whole was a really special place just because, uh, you know, it's island living. It's like kind of sure. like it's just like that chillax all the time. Like you're just like I wasn't oh. living there. You enjoyed it? Yeah, it was it was cool. It was for sure really really cool. But um, um, sometimes um, sometimes I felt like I wasn't in real life. Like if that makes sense. Like you feel like you're you feel like you're in on vacation like the entire year. <laughs> You know what yes. I mean? So it's yeah. like at some point I was just like thinking to myself like, man, like when is like the real world going to hit me? And like, when am I going to like, you know, have to f- like have a faster pace of living. But I was just like, life was so slow there all the time. Like, you know, you have training, which was awesome. And then after training, you go home, take a nap, you would eat lunch, you would go on the beach. And then it's like, you're living that, that the vacation lifestyle yeah, every day. So, I mean, I definitely didn't appreciate it as much at the time as I do now. And I feel yeah, like that's that what always is. Yeah. That's like retrospect, like in tw- like hindsight is always 2020, you know, when you look back on Absolutely. things, you're always like, man, like this was so awesome. That was so great. I wish I would take advantage more of this, blah, 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 blah. Um, but man, yeah, I, I have no complaints about that, man. Um, after Puerto Rico, unfortunately, I also mentioned before that the NASL folded, um, which is which was the second tier of American soccer at the time, and then USL um, ended up becoming second tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's obviously still in the pyramid MLS, and then uh, USL. 
After that, I signed with the Richmond Kickers in USL. And Eric and I were also speaking about I had I had some injury troubles there. I did my knee. I did my MCL and my meniscus. And it took a really long time to heal. Unfortunately, I had complications. And I was out for like five months. And um, yeah, um, that was a really tough time period for me. Um, I, did you want to ask something? Yeah, um, you know, like, you know, a lot of young players, a lot of players, you know, for, first of all, I mean, we know that football is a very emotional game and, you know, there are ups and downs uh, on, on the roller coaster and part of it's injuries, you know, and um, every athlete gets injured. So just mm -hmm. I think the mental aspect of injury and just like how you think during it is huge. So. How did you kind of, how did you approach that, the, the injury from, from a mental standpoint um, and then actually being able to get that rehab done? Right. Yeah, like we spoke about it before, like I, I, genuinely, I genuinely believe that every athlete should be convicted themselves, you know. They should have some type of self-motivation exactly. and, um, and you should be inspiring yourself. Like I always knew that, like my my reasons on why I wanted to come back was to prove to myself that you know I was gonna come back and score goals again. Like I didn't need to prove that to any family members. I didn't need to prove that to any coaches or any teammates. I just wanted to do it for myself, and I do that with practically everything. Um, I I do that with my training now in uh, quarantine. You know, I go out for a run, and then uh, I want to beat. The time that I did yesterday, uh, I want to beat it today. And then the mm -hmm. time that I did today, I want to beat tomorrow. Um, and that's just kind of where you have to be careful and smart with it because you don't want to over overwork or overstress your body, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the element of patience is also really important and letting your body recoup and making sure that you, you, you listen to your body. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, that's huge. And then also, you know, something that, that I've seen is like from a lot of players recently um, and, and since quarantine began, I, I had said to players, this is the time to separate because there are going to be a lot of players around the world, no matter what league they're, they're in, that are just taking this as a chill time, mm -hmm. that are constantly looking to make excuses, look to take days off. And one of the things that I constantly see, and it really puts a question in my mind, you know, like we talked about before, you know, you can say love the process. You can say trust the process. You can say all this, all this cliche, cliche shit, but if you don't actually act it, what does it mean? So mm -hmm. something that I've really seen often um, and I really question, you know, should the guy be in football anymore is, you know, what are we training for? Why, should, why am I motivated? And, and it's like to me, it's like, dude. You're training because you love the game and you want to, when the game comes back, which it will, it's not like the game's completely done. You're going to be ready. You're going to be more ready than your competition. So why doesn't that motivate you? Why doesn't training to, like you said, be better than yourself from yesterday motivate you? And I think as a young, uh, young when you're younger, I wish I was told this more often that like just being able to compete against yourself and beat yourself from yesterday Mm -hmm. is is one of the best tips you can get because especially at a young age you know whether 
you're competing to be more cool in high school or to get more girls. There's always competition, you know, but if you compete against yourself, you know, to be a little bit better each day, I think it's valuable. And, and, you know, there's something to say like, yeah, it's okay to look at your competitors to see where your standard is, but most of your focus should be on yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think we get caught up with things way too often um, that are outside of our own control. And that is, that is a hundred percent correct that I think that, you know, social media, sometimes we get, we, we perceive, well, okay, let's just put it this way. Like you're, I think you're a very fit dude, you know, and it's obvious that physically and aesthetically you're very, very fit. And a lot of people aspire to attain what you have, but unfortunately the reality is they're not willing to do what you do. They're not willing to put in the work for one. And for two, they don't want to have the discipline to nourish their bodies the way that you, you're supposed to. They just kind of want to, they kind of want to look like you, but they, they don't want to put in the work like you. So it's like, they want to still eat their Nutella breads. They want to eat their chocolate chips. They want to eat their, you know, whatever you name it, whatever your, like your ice cream, your cake and this, that, and that. But like, in reality, like it's to be, uh, an elite athlete I'm not even going to just say soccer player I'm just going to say to be an elite athlete is like you have to be committed around the clock and you have to be committed all the time like there's a time and place for everything there's a time to recover exactly. with, there's a time to recover and to sleep which is obviously at night now however you 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 have your routine set up or whatever that's just the times that you go to sleep but make sure you get eight minimum eight hours of sleep till you get your body recovered make sure that you drink a lot of water i mean obviously you don't want to drink four ga a gallon of water in one sitting you want to mm -hmm. distribute your water throughout the entire day so your body stays hydrated the entire day um and those i feel like are things that like people aren't taught until like you know they're already so stuck in their ways that like it's hard to change those things you know to train your body to you know really know how it works and i'm speaking from myself that i feel like i learned those things far too late mm -hmm. i wish i knew at like 18 19 20 that you know breakfast actually means breaking the fast mm -hmm. and like i see that on your stories from time to time that you're saying you're breaking the fast but you know your body just went through a time period of eight hours or more without water and without food Mm -hmm. So it's like you need to replenish whatever your body needs at the time. And that's mm -hmm. the time and place to eat and drink. You know what I mean? It's not the time and place to eat and drink when you're supposed to be training. Yeah. When, like, you know what I mean? So I feel like just really being disciplined and really having a regimen and really being in love with that process. Like you said, you can say it. I mean, you can say it all you want, but, like, if you don't apply it, like, that's really – that's really the toughest part of, of everything in life, in my opinion, is applying what you for think sure. or what you say. For sure, for sure. First of all, I appreciate that compliment a lot. And li like you said, I mean, second of all, um, and just to, to go off your point, it's like I always talk about it very often. I think your daily routine and <clears throat> your habits and what you do every day really determines your destiny. And, um, you know, like we said with the – before with working hard, like we said, with trusting the process, working smart, you can say it, but actually getting it done is very hard. Um, kind of just to take, take some people through your, 
routine right now. Uh, what is it looking like, you know, in quarantine? Um, how are like how are you looking at each day, and and what are you what are you usually doing during the day? Um, I I'm I'm actually pretty consistent with how with the times. I mean, it's not always to the half an hour to the hour, but it's pretty consistent. Like in the morning, anywhere from ten to eleven, I go out for a run. Um, I do this thing called intermittent fasting. So, um, so do I, it's great stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you're training your body to go through the stress already before you're even getting to your workout. So your body's already pushing itself to the limit before you even get to your real training. But, um, I, I don't eat past uh, 10 o'clock and then I eat again at noon. So it's like 14 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, it's not really the full 16 hours, like they say, but like, I, I kind of have like a different, like w w like a, a a strategy that works for me. Something exactly. that I figured out that works for my body and for my routine and for my regimen. So it's like, if you do intermittent fasting, like that's great, but just figure out that if you can't fast for 16 hours, eat 12 hours after or eat 14 exactly. hours after, just fi figure out what works for you. Um, and I, f that's I figured something that I talk about. That's something I just wanted to point out. It's something I talk about often, you know, online, it might say, yeah, you know, you got to do 16, eight and, and that's the window you got to be in. But the most important thing is adapting it to yourself. So just like you said, you know, if you're, if you, if you, first of all, if you're an athlete, you probably shouldn't be doing 16, eight anyways, especially if you're, if you're training very hard. Yeah. And then second of all, like you said, you know, trying things out, like if you do a 16, eight day and you feel like shit and your performance is down, you obviously should alter it to a 14, 10 or a 12, 12. So just pointing that out, I, I just wanted to reemphasize that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I figured out that 14 hours for me works. Um, and you know, when, when I get, when I get, obviously, no worries. No worries. Um, Obviously, with intermittent fasting, um, you know, you're drinking a lot of water, you're, you're making sure that you're so hydrated, that doesn't that doesn't go into, I guess, um, like, you don't include that in the fast, so you're not fasting from water, uh, you're constantly you're constantly drinking. So it's like, just to make that clear that you're you're uh, basically what you're what you're fasting from is our calories, like uh, things that your body uh, needs energy to um, kind of um, how do you say? To digest, like, you know, your body uses energy to digest food. Mm -hmm. That's what are calories. Those are calories just for the people watching. Um, and yeah, I, I, I go through, um, through that until like, I, I make sure I work out at 10 to 11. And then, you know, I'm probably done by noon. And that that's right when I start eating, you know, like, that's kind of how I've built up here in the quarantine time and the phase of quarantine that you know, I wake up in the morning, I drink my water, I drink a tea or a coffee, and then I go for a workout. And then by the time that I'm done with my workout, I have time to eat. And um, I, I usually make sure that my lunches are smaller. I make sure that, you know, I, I pack it with protein because I just worked out and then I just had like a 14, some, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, sometimes it's 12 hours, but yeah. you know, 12 to 14 hours. It doesn't have to be so window. specific. Right, so it's like in between that, 
12 to 14 hour range, you know, if you're fasting, your body is desperately craving for either carbohydrates or for protein. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I worked out and, and your body wants to repair itself, I just, I just packed my lunch with protein. And um, if it's not like, uh, it's, if it's not like salmon, it's, it's definitely like, you know, lean chicken, lean turkey. I just really make sure that's the lean stuff because uh, I want to I want to maximize my calories and make sure that mm. you know they're going towards the proper nutrients. So that's why I buy the lean stuff. Um and it's a smaller lunch and I really save my calories up for dinner. Um and the and the reason being is um uh you know I kind of I kind of tend to like get like snacky at night and um I just I just want to avoid that by really stuffing myself and really getting hungry. And then when I do feel hungry after dinner, I have a tea with like a snack, like if it's a protein bar, a yogurt or something. And then, you know, I'm satisfied. But I know if I have my big lunch first and, you know, it'll satisfy me till dinner time. And then, you know, I'll eat again at a dinner or whatever. I know for a fact at night I'm going to be hungry. Like I have something mm. I'm going to crave something. And mm -hmm. I kind of strategized and figured out what works for me. And I know that at night, I'm just going to have a big dinner and use most of my, I guess, a lot of calories for the night there. And then I just snack on protein later on. And, and that's kind of what works for me. And that's what I've really been noticing in my, in my training that's been getting me really strong. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fitter now than I was even like two years ago before my injuries. Like I'm fitter today than I was before I had two years worth of injuries. Um, mm. my stamina is far, far greater, my strength and my explosiveness, my acceleration, like just mm. everything that, you know, my agility, everything is, is just, is further advanced. Uh, when did you start the intermittent fasting? Yeah, I, I think I started it like right around like two years ago. Like, mm. unfortunately, right when I got injured, but you know, mm. then I, um, um, just like having like a personal, I mean, from personal experience, like, you know, I, I was emotional eating, like, you know, comfort food and stuff like that. And what that means is basically like, because I couldn't play and I was probably yeah. bored and like, you know, I would try to find a way to cope with not being able to play. I would eat a lot. And like, I did gain a good amount of weight. Um, mm. I think I ended up being... When I stopped, when I when I first got injured, I think I was at like 174, 75, 76 pounds. And by the time I was able to play again, I was at like 187. So wow. I gained like a good 10 pounds over like, yeah, like five to six months. And mm -hmm. it wasn't even really, it wasn't even really that I was eating terrible. I mean, I was, I wasn't eating good. But, like, it wasn't like I was constantly eating sugary stuff or, like, McDonald's or whatever. I was eating normal food, but just my body just wasn't able to burn off the calories. Exactly. And I was always in the set calorie surplus. And, mm -hmm. you know, over time, it accumulated to 10 pounds. And yeah. I unfortunately carried that weight over even to the next season, which was last year. And then I unfortunately got injured again, but with a concussion this time. And... um but I had I, I had leaned up again. Like I did lose weight. I was going into the season at like one eighty and it wasn't like at one eighty seven, but one eighty. But I was still overweight. I was still five pounds heavier than my normal self. But today I'm back mm -hmm. to like one seventy three, one seventy four. 
Mm. And like now I'm mm. I'm back to just really at my ideal weight. I feel fresh, like I feel strong mentally. I'm very clear just because mm. of the diet and like you know sure. the foods that I'm eating are just really making me. The foods that you put in your body really determine how strong and how clear and how heavy you can train. It, that's sure. essentially that's essentially what makes up the human body is the nourishment that you're giving it. So, um, yeah, man, I think that's my, my quarantine in a, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds great. And, uh, the fact that you, you know, you talk about the intermittent fasting and how it helped you lose weight, you know, for me, it's the same thing I got, um, it helped me get really lean. And like you said, it's something that works for me. You know, some people are very hungry in the morning They have to eat before they train, Mm -hmm. but you know like we talked about you got to listen to your body and that's the most important thing um but when you when you're doing uh what type of things are you incorporating into your training you know at the moment physically uh you training with the ball what types of things you're doing um throughout the throughout the quarantine Mm -hmm. um I really address my specific need. Um, and I feel like what I've been lacking for the last few years has been fitness. And obviously due to the, the weight that I gained and also just, you know, my overall pattern or just my overall being was just completely thrown off from the injuries. So I really reset myself to the basics. And I just, for the past like four weeks, man, I've just been running. I mean, I've just been going on long distance runs. I have a log. Um, I have an app that I've been logging all of my runs and they range from anywhere from three miles a a day to like seven. So it's like, depending on the day, I think my first week when I started logging it, I think I ran a total, I think I ran a total of like, I'm not, I'm not going to guess. So it was like between 25 and 30 miles in six days. So I took one day off and then I trained six days. So I mean, an average of five miles a day. And um, I just really chose to say, like, look, like, let me let me strategize this the right way. So how am I going to get my body fit again? Like, how am I going to lose weight? Okay, probably going to have to incorporate a lot of cardio. And then I actually scratched working out. Like, I wasn't doing any type of body weights. I wasn't doing any type of, um, any type of like, you know, weightlifting, nothing. I just said, you know what, let me just go run. Mm. So I did that for a week. And then after that, I started incorporating uh, body uh, body weight stuff. And then I do a lot of the things that actually uh, that you you preach and that you that you post on your on your Instagram is like you know like a lot of planks, um, a lot of push-ups, a lot of pull-ups, like a lot of very simple, a lot of simple things that you know is just super duper underrated in my opinion. That it's like you know it just your body thrives off simplicity and like compound lifts like for example you can do you can do a timed body's weight squat and it would burn more than if you do three sets of five of 225 pounds of squats Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um it's uh, i guess if you had to label it, it would be like a hit training right like just like an intense shorter period of time workout and um, that's kind of where and how I started really becoming the player again that I remember being two years ago was mm. through that. Just kind mm. of really going back to the basics, just run a lot, just do the body weight stuff and then incorporate high intensity movements and then 
dude, I, I somehow just got back to being the same player or a better player than I was two years ago. Mm. No, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it says a lot. And it's, it's, it's about just, just constantly being able to go back to the basics mm-hmm. and do the simple things right, you know, consistently. Right. Um, but, yeah, you, so in terms of sleep, how do, how do you generally look at sleep? Uh, you have a specific time you generally try to get to sleep? Or how are you kind of doing that during these quarantines? Um, during the quarantine, it's a little bit different just because I don't really have a set day, like a set hour that I go to sleep. But yeah. I, I generally sleep eight hours a night. Like, mm-hmm. it, like I, I definitely get it in somehow one way or another. If I go to sleep at one, I wake up at nine. If I will go to sleep at 12, I wake up at eight. Um, my internal body clock won't even allow me to sleep longer than eight hours, which I find healthy. Like I kind of like mm-hmm. that because um, I don't like to oversleep uh, because sure. that, kind of, that kind of releases like, you know, kind of the, um, the, the hormones and like the, the, the chemicals in your brain to kind of make you just like sleepier throughout the day. For so sure. I, tr- I try to avoid that. And I just really try to get up, get in my eight hours. And then after that, like if, if it was eight hours, then I just get up like regardless what time. And especially since we're in such a, like a, such a free time that we don't really have to get up in the morning. Um, exactly. it, it just, it varies. It, I think the latest that I've probably gotten up during this entire quarantine, the last like five to six weeks was like 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, but I really try to go to sleep anywhere from 11 to one and just wake up between eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. No, I mean, you seem like a very, you got a great routine and, and good discipline. Uh, what's your plan now? Like, do you have a plan? Do you want to stay in Switzerland? You looking to go back to the U S you looking to make a move to Europe if you don't mind sharing what your thoughts are. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> most of us don't, don't know what's going to happen next, but just if you were to, you know, form, formulate something, what you've been thinking about. Right. Yeah, I think um, I, ideally I would like to stay. You know, I want to be here in Europe with my family, but uh, most importantly, I want to I wanna, um, advance my career as well. Um, I think um, Switzerland is a very unique country for soccer because um, it, it presents a lot of opportunities that maybe other countries don't do. Like, for example, in the United States, um, I think the most unique thing is that uh, college um, will allow you to go play a sport and also uh, study at the same time, which a lot of countries don't allow that or just the system mm-hmm. isn't set in place for that. And I think that what Switzerland is, what's very unique about Switzerland is that um, even as a full-time professional, there are a lot of options that you can go work on the side, um, mm-hmm. which is, is, is extremely helpful because um, it kind of gives you financial freedom to kind of negotiate different types of contracts. Um, For sure. I mean, contracts in Switzerland range like from millions and millions of dollars or Swiss francs but I'm just going to go ahead and say dollars um, to, you know, like the standard, you know, $2,000 per month. And then you're just like, you know, you're a standard professional, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the freedom behind it is this, is that, you know, you can sign a professional contract, but then you have your day job that pays you a really healthy salary, which 
that's your main source of income and then kind of soccer aids as a complementary income but you're playing at a professional level and the, don't get me wrong the the professional level is very very high here um yeah, but yeah it's very good it just um just um i i would prefer to kind of um kind of take that route because you know i'm i'm a little bit later in my career i mean i'm obviously not anywhere close to being done um i i still think i have another healthy five five years you know you can play until you're mm. 31 32 and and be healthy you know um but i think just from a, a strict um you know thinking about my future For switzerland sure. is a very very stable country and it's it's yeah. a beautiful country and um financially i mean i'm very blessed and lucky to say that like you know it's a it's a stable country um and i feel like i can really like i was mentioning before like 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 build roots here and i can really you know i can really settle myself here and and find something that works with soccer and with work mm-hmm. um also um i'll be going back to school in the fall and i'm going to wrap up my bachelor's degree in finance that mm-hmm. i was doing while i was at charlotte and mm-hmm. that's another that's another cool thing that you know i can do that online um, I don't even, I don't even have to be at a school. I can just go to play soccer. I can either go to work or I could go to school. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's kind of, yeah, my plans are, are, um, a little bit up in the air still just because, you know, like you said, we, we don't know how the pandemic is going to affect the soccer world as a whole. Like maybe there are going to be a lot of openings for clubs, but then maybe there'll be a lot of closed doors because financially they just can't seem to justify to sign more players. So mm-hmm. I'm not really too sure uh, which uh, which way it'll go. Mm-hmm. No, no. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to talk about and, and something I talk about all the time. Like the most important thing is being able to, to find your home and, and like you said, find your roots and make a place your home. Uh, you know, like whether it, whether it's in Switzerland or in the U S or whatever journey you're taking, you need to think about like, you know, obviously it's great to have short-term goals, but you should think about spending at least three to four years in that country and actually making it, making a commitment to the country. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that's underrated. It's easy to country hop. I've done it. And I kind of regret that. I wish I stayed in one country for longer, and that's my plan now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's ideal to go to a country that you feel comfortable in, learn the language, and try to really integrate into it. Right. Yeah, no, and I mean, where you're at is actually very good as well. I'm, I'm semi-connected in Israel because I got some buddies playing there. I have My agent is actually from there, and I was over there and spent some time there as well with uh, Hepo Ramat Gun. Um, mm-hmm. And the level over there is, is quite impressive, you know, like um, the Israeli population loves soccer. Uh, it's a, it's a sure. definitely, it's definitely a soccer country, you know, yeah. and um, it's, it's, it's a pretty special place. I mean, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it when I was there. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. one thing I was going to mention was that I really liked what, what you said about, um, you know, this quarantine period, you should use it to your advantage. You know, because it's it's a hundred percent. I agree with what you said. Like you kind of read it off my mind. So I've been thinking about that uh, since the beginning. Is that this is um, 
for for a lot of players, they they probably think they're on holiday. You know, like they think yeah, that exactly. you know they're they uh, they have a they have a secure spot at a club. Uh, they have mm-hmm. their salaries rolling in. You know, they're comfortable. They're maybe putting in fifty percent of the work, maybe even less. And if you can catch up, you know, and you can really push yourself uh, to catch up to. I mean, to anywhere close to that standard, to that level, you know, this, you could really use this to your advantage. And that's something that I really, I kind of ingrained into my mind that I'm like, okay, like, yeah, my situation isn't the greatest right now, but it could be worse. And like, now that this entire pandemic happened, like it's all fair game now, you know, comes the summer, nobody had been playing football for two, no, three to four months. So... It's all fair game again, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like like I said, and, and just like you emphasized, it's just it's a key period to really separate from the competition. Like, if you think you've lost some time in the past by doing stupid shit, making stupid decisions, which I totally have, um, mm-hmm. I think this is a time, and, and when I was younger, I did it, you know, ages 14 to 16, I took time off that wasn't, Right. So I, I told myself in the beginning of this quarantine, now is time to catch up. And, um, you know, sometimes you always learn from everything you do and all your experiences. And, and for me, you know, I think this is a, just like you said, you know, a lot of people are taking this as a time to, to rest and, and, and enjoy time off, which is fine. You know, one one week off isn't going to kill you and it might be good for you if you've been, you know, pounding your body into the ground for a while. But if it's, you need to know that maybe it's time to really put in the work and and really use this time to your advantage, because it's it's basically like we've never seen in the world, like where you can gain time. For me, it's like I'm gaining time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I always talk about with money, you can always, you can always um, make more money, but you can't make more time. So right now we got to use this to our advantage of kind of like we're making more time for ourselves. Yeah, that's uh, it's actually a really good um, a good really good way to put things. Like, never in like never in the history of uh, well, I guess of our lives because there's not really yeah. ever been something of this magnitude going on. Is that the whole world is stopped? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. That like, yeah, literally we're all kind of waiting for this to pass, and people are just really spending this free time differently from one another and yeah that's a really good point i feel like this is definitely the time for people who feel like they have something to prove they they need to utilize this time to absolutely. to better themselves while other people aren't doing that absolutely man absolutely one thing i wanted to get into um you know many people see that pros are very disciplined and you seem very disciplined yourself but i think it's very important like you had talked about before and and I talk about constantly in my content and, and on the podcast and on Instagram. It's just like how, um, you know, the like kind of how football affects the emotions. So I wanted to ask you, how do you un- unwind from football? Because it's it's good to be 24-7 with football, but it's, sometimes it's good to get away. And, and taking that off time sometimes is necessary. So during the season – when you're, you know, in a lot of games, you're in a run of games, you're starting, you're doing well, how do you unplug? Um, you know, everybody has a different outlet, right? 
I mean, everybody has like a different um, way to cope with that. Like a lot of people love to spend time with their family. A lot of people have different hobbies, like or a different sport that they play to like to unwind, you know, like, okay, I want to put soccer to the side. Let me grab my tennis racket or let me go get my golfing, my golf club, um, et cetera. Um, and I guess my, my best way of kind of unwinding from things is really just spending time with my family because the majority of uh, my career I've been away. Um, So for the last seven years I've been in the United States or either even here for a short time. Um, But I've been away from everybody. And um, in the off season, I really made it adamant or I made it a priority to come here and to be here with my family. And, you know, in America, the off season is completely different than from Europe because the European calendar is, you know, uh, six weeks in the, or four weeks in the summer and then four weeks in the winter. But in America, it's all in one go. So it's like, you know, from November or something until January or something, you're not playing football. So there's like a, there's like a eight to nine week gap between trainings uh, or in between seasons. And in that like time frame, I would always come here. And uh, I would spend time with my family and, you know, I would really, um, because I'm a Christian, you know, uh, we would celebrate Christmas. We would celebrate, obviously, New Year's around the whole world as well. But, you know, just spend the holidays together. And, you know, that's kind of what really uh, helped me unwind from everything, um, I guess, from football as a whole. But um, I guess kind of to touch up more specifically towards your question, um, how do you wind up or like kind of uh, go away from football through the season emotionally, I think that you should just really find an outlet for yourself. And for me, it was always like really just throwing everything away to the side and just be a normal human being. Like mm-hmm. go eat at a good restaurant that you like, go watch a nice movie yeah. or go play some video games or like, you know, just do something like normal. Like it doesn't have to be soccer specific, like something completely like, not soccer specific. Like, so for me, when I was in Puerto Rico and I told you I was living like in this like fantasy world, kind of like, you know, beach and this, that, and that, like that kind of got, became like a monotonous thing. So it's like me and my, one of my really close friends, we, we made a decision that every Thursday we would go to the cheesecake factory and we would go watch a movie and we would get lost in that four or five hour time period at the cheesecake factory and at, at the movie theater. And we were just doing normal, sure. just normal things. Like, you know, we weren't talking about soccer. We weren't talking about, you know, this and that. We were just talking about normal things like life, like family, like, you know, mm-hmm. goals that we have outside of soccer and like, you know, education and system, like whatever, like mm-hmm. just anything you can think of. And that was my outlet. Like, it was like, for sure, let's put soccer to the side. Uh, let's just talk like humans and like, you know, real things like that go on outside of the soccer field. And that really helped me a lot. Absolutely. We got two minutes left here. Um, Let's, let's end this and then restart it uh, to finish off the conversation. All right, dude. What's up? All right, brother. Sounds good. All right. been a great combo so far with Giuseppe hope you guys are enjoying it we're just finishing up real quick got a couple more things I want to cover
Yeah, bro, we're back. So what I wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, like you said, it's key to, you know, be able to unwind from footy, become, mm-hmm. quote, a normal human, uh, stop thinking so much about football and, and focusing on other things in, in whatever you do. And even like when you're when you're on a strict diet and, you know, you're you're a footballer and you eat well all the time, it's OK, you know, once in a while to have a piece of cheesecake, have something you love. But I think the number one thing is just being able to get right back on track and not letting it be, uh, you know, sick cyclical downfall because that's what leads to the weight gain and the or even if you skip a day at the gym you know and or or if training you don't feel good you know you don't feel right and you want to rest like just not making it a habit and, and like I think you talked about when we started the whole thing everything in moderation and you know being able to enjoy uh going to a movie and and, and letting yourself get out of this football flow, I think is essential for, for any player who's obsessed with the game and, and really is trusting the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's really important that you just know that, you know, you're a human first and then you're a soccer player second, you know what I mean? And that's just the, the psychological nature of our of our being, you know. And if we if we stress too much about one thing, like, you know, it could it could just lead to various negative things, like, for example, burnout or like, you know, if, if you put too much pressure on yourself, then like, you know, you, you become anxious and you become a person that is not composed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's it's very important to, you know, find a balance between, you know, being a hard worker and and like i said before i kind of mentioned it too it's like you know everything has its time and place exactly. like you can you can really ha- there there is a time and place to go to a nice restaurant enjoy a piece of cheesecake with your friends and just you know chop sure. it up talk about life and then you know essentially the next day just make sure that you don't do it again you know just make sure that you know you're back on track you're back on your training exactly. regimen and you also mentioned it too, like, you know, it feels weird when you skip a, sh- when you skip a training session, but sometimes I feel like it's a healthy thing. You know, you, you we shouldn't overwork our bodies. You know, we, we have to, we have to have a period of rest also to maximize our recovery and to just get stronger and get better, you know? Absolutely. And the thing you pointed out about, um, you know, there, like we talked about from the beginning, like, and you constantly were saying how you were, you, you know, you'd always want to compete with yourself and always want to be better. It, it's every, I always like every person's development and, and their plan and the way their life goes and their journey is different. So mm-hmm. just like you said, for someone, progress might be taking a day off at the gym. Mm-hmm. For another person, you know, progress is going to the gym. For right. one person, not eating the cheesecake could be progress. For the other person, it could be because, you, like you said, you need that balance. You need that relationship with yourself to be able to justify what, you know, what is right for you because mm-hmm. – um, you know, I often get messages. Why don't you go play here? Why are you playing there? Why didn't you do this? It's like, dude, I appreciate your opinion and I appreciate your thoughts, but 
you know, you don't know the real behind the scenes. Like you don't know what's, what's really going on, uh, what happened here, what happened there. And a lot of football is behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of things happen behind the scenes. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things in football that aren't the prettiest behind the scenes, but you do it for what goes on, you know, what, like your why and, and your purpose. And I talked about this last time, just having the ability to find that why and that purpose in whatever you do just should be able to give you that, that instant motivation. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And I think you pointed out something unfortunate, but very important that, you know, like the things behind the scenes aren't always pretty. You know, no. it's like whatever you see in the front, it doesn't always re really mean what happened in the back, you know. So it's 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 something to keep in mind. But I, I think focusing on that really could hurt you more than, than do you sure. any good. Um, I think the most important thing about the game is still what happens in front of the scenes. You know what I mean? Of it's, course. Still, it's still the training. You know, it's still um, the lifestyle you live. It's the... the the discipline that you carry. And honestly, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, you know, a lot does come down to you, you know, like you, you have to, you have to perform in training. You have to perform in games when, when you're, when you're being called on, you, you, you have to respond when, when it's your turn, uh, because then you didn't do your part. You know what I mean? Then you can say whatever you want, that this happened behind the scenes, that happened behind the scenes. But, um, I, I genuinely think that, like, you know, um, there's a really good quote. Um, I don't, I don't want to misquote it because it really is that good, and I, I, I wouldn't do it any justice. But um, um, I think it's, I think it goes along the lines like success is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, said so, well. Yeah, success equals uh, preparation when preparation meets opportunity. And I think that is so true because, you know, you can go into a trial and not be fit and not perform your best. And then you can not get signed and then the coach, and then you can say, oh, well, the coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh yeah, they didn't like me from the beginning, like without me even touching a ball or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you went in there in that same trial and you would have put, you would have put the work in and you would have trained and been ready for that trial, the narrative of that story could have been completely different. And mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that the most important thing is definitely still what happens in front of the scenes. Of course, of course. And, and like you said, I mean, um, just, just, I, I just posted something about Robin Van Persie. He, he had like a two minute, uh, interview um I forgot who with who it was but he was just pointing out how like you know his son came in the car he was on the bench he's playing and i have two 14s right now and the son was blaming uh the coach he was blaming the kids blaming this blaming that and Bram percy said to him he's like you know losers are people who blame others winners are people who take their their uh development and their life upon themselves and they act on it and, and, and they can look themselves in the mirror and they can say when they played badly, they didn't work hard enough. They didn't do what they were supposed to. People who take that ownership. Um, and, and I think it's, it's just key to be able to, like you've been talking about the whole time, take that extreme ownership of your career, of your, of your development and be able to, like you said before, take it, 
you know, control what you can control, take it in your own hands and, and make your own destiny. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, to kind of summarize really the important things are like the tangibles, you know, like everything that is tangible and tangible meaning like what I can control, like I can control my attitude, I can control my work rate, I can control how I interact with others, I can control if I'm respectful towards my coach, if I'm obedient towards my coach, um, if I'm respectful with my teammates, um, you know, like those are the things at the end of the day that really make a complete footballer. Um, it's, it's like, you know, you do meet those people from time to time that don't live up to what I'm saying that, you know, are the complete opposite and, you know, they get away with everything and, you know, they're still an amazing footballer. Nobody really cares about how they really are as people, but, you know, there's always an exception to the rule, but I feel like just for the general population and just for your, do it for yourself. Like don't even, don't even do it for others, but like just control the things that you can't control and be a nice person. And that in, that in itself will get you a long way, you know, relationship building, um is and networking is something of one of the most important things in life yeah. that that you'll come to that you'll ever come across and you know you might only have one opportunity to be nice to someone before it's too late because maybe the second time around that person that you weren't nice to the first time around is your coach or is your gm Absolutely. or he's he's an agent that will badmouth you and it all it all stems from that one interaction that you had with that person and you know sometimes you're not the cup of tea of for that person and and you are who you are but you at least did what was in your control you know what i mean so you were wow. at least you were at least authentic and you were yourself and then that the the problem is with them mm. no, absolutely and those are some fantastic words right there um just you know like you said, just being able to build relationships and network with people is one thing. And then just always being, being a good guy, being a kind dude, being, being willing to give his best and um, constantly perform and be a true professional, show your discipline. And, and then, like you said, you know, when you do that stuff, everything works out because no one's going to talk, you know, badly about you oh he was doing this you know he, he he was disrespectful to this person to that person if you take care of those things everything will work out and then of course if you're working hard just you know those things you're doing on the field are the most important mm -hmm. but what i like to point out on, on my page often is also those 21 you know 22 hours that are off the pitch that aren't in the gym are, are as or more important to prepare yourself for when you get on that pitch or when you get into that gym to actually improve your performance. Right. Yeah, of course. No, I 100% I, I agree. I feel like we touched on it earlier. Like there's a time and place for everything, but how you, how you train or how you live your life outside of the pitch is almost more important than on. Uh, I, think I'm, I think I mentioned on the first time that we tried to do the Instagram live that you know, you can run as many miles as you want and you can lose as many calories as you want. But if you come home and you don't apply or, you know, eat the appropriate nutrients and the appropriate quantity, you're still not going to lose weight. You know, you're, you're, you're working hard, but you're not doing the right things. And it's exactly mm -hmm. to your point. It's the outside of the field. That's one of those components. It's like if you're drinking alcohol, if you're, if you're smoking, 
if you're taking drugs, if you're not sleeping appropriate amount of hours, if you're, you know, just, just wasting time doing other things that won't allow your body to recover properly, then you'll pay the consequences physically on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I was going to ask you some, some advice, pieces of advice to end there, but I think all that's perfect. I think we summed it up. Well, I really enjoyed the talk, man. And, uh, I wish you well. Uh, I'm going to post this on the story. going to post it on YouTube and a podcast. I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, of course. No, I also, you know, I appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody who spent time watching and, and, you know, even taking interest on hearing what I have to say and what, what Rick has to say. Um, you know, I think, I think uh, the most important thing for us now is like, you know, just uh, we just have to put out what we want others to see you know like you you have to you you do a really good job of you know making uh train hard training look easy you know you have you 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 For sum sure. up knowledge and you put it into like a very simple form and then if applied correctly i think that you know the results will get there i think uh you mm -hmm. and i spoke about it also it's like you just have to be persistent with it and you have to just consistently keep doing it um, and then you'll see results. I think, I think Absolutely, a lot of people brother. give up too early, unfortunately. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. You're true professional. It was good to meet you. I'm sure we'll catch up sometime soon in, in Europe, or maybe if you come back over to Israel, we'll catch up, but yeah, I love it, that. it was awesome, bro. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much again. And then I wish you all the best over there and, and stay healthy. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't be going crazy with that Corona stuff. <laughs> yeah, you too, right. brother. Stay right, safe, man. man. You too. All, all the best. Bye-bye. Take care, brother.
I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Giuseppe's a great dude, real disciplined, real dialed in, as you heard. If you want to ask him any questions, reach out to him on Instagram at G-I-U-S-S-I-92. G-I-U-S-S-I-92. His handle will also be in the description. I'm sure he's open to answer any questions you may have. He's real open, really looking to help. He's really a great dude. Appreciate having him on. I appreciate him taking the time, and I appreciate you guys, you girls, taking the time to listen to this. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. See you on the next episode.